0: You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that have to do with our faith in Jesus and how it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're going to talk about the question, "Who is the church for?" So there's a false dichotomy that sometimes exists in Christianity of between those who think of the church as primarily a place for Christians to grow, as opposed to those who look at the church and say, no, the church is actually supposed to be on mission for the neighborhood and for the community, when the reality is the answer to that question is both, and this is an important discussion for us to have. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at Christ Community Chapel. Uh, I've got with me today the rest of our leadership team, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and then Zach Wyrock and Stacey Donardo. Uh, our question today is Who is church for? So uh, there's a dichotomy in Christianity sometimes, and it's probably a false dichotomy, which is a spoiler alert, but uh, the idea that the church exists primarily to help Christians grow and find community with one another. But then there's another way of looking at the church where you see it as uh, existing on mission for the community and for the neighborhood. So what we want to talk about is who is it actually for? Why does the church exist? What is it supposed to be doing? And uh, that's
1: our starting point. Yeah. There's actually a more fundamental question that you have to answer first, and that is who does the church belong to? Who gets to answer this question? You know, uh, And the answer to that is Jesus. I think where people tend to go wrong and they're thinking about the church is they start with the pronoun I. Well, I think this, or I want this in a church, or I'm looking for this. Or my church. Yeah, yeah. or my church, right, yeah. I, but the church belongs to Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 5 says it's it's the church that Jesus died for, that he is washing her with the water of the word, that he's going to present her to himself, as blameless, the church belongs to Jesus. So when we ask, who is the church for, the only way to answer that really is to say, well, what does Jesus say? And the only way to answer that is to look at the New Testament and say, well, what has Jesus said about the church? What has he said that the church should should be? And derive our answers from that. And and I only start there because I'm just not sure how many people I've had this conversation with over 15 years of being in ministry, really across the Midwest, that started there, who are coming to me and saying, hey, I've been reading the scriptures, right. it seems like this is what Jesus wants for the church, are we that, are we not that, right? It, it is typically starting somewhere other than Jesus, but the church belongs to Jesus.
2: I was gonna say, I had a conversation with someone not long ago about this, and I don't know, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong in my thinking of this, but I I went and started thinking back at, and looking at like Acts 2. Um, and where is the line? Is it, you know, the line of going, is it for non-Christians and for people that are not yet Christians, or is it just for building up the body of believers? And if I look at like Acts 2, and I think, I, I feel like it's very, that line, there isn't a line. Because you see the people that are giving and sharing and caring for each other, giving of what they have, so no one is in need, eating meals together, worshiping together, and then that's that has to overflow into their relationships with other people and their relationships with the people that are seeing that happen, seeing those expressions of faith, and then joining them to come alongside with them. So for Christians to not be inviting and wanting non-Christians to experience the community and the life and even the worship that they have, it just doesn't make sense that those two things would take place would not be for the same place. Yeah, and I
3: think Acts 2 is the, is the right way to start. I think what Zach said is right. You have to, we have to remind ourselves all the it's time Jesus. that the yeah. church belongs to Jesus. But then uh, in Acts chapter 2, it said, and the Lord was adding to their number, number. daily yeah. those who are being saved. But there might be a reason why uh, the church was born outside yeah. and not inside a building. Once we're inside a building, then it becomes us, and then you have them. When you're outside, uh, anybody walking by— could hear and right. were listening and would be drawn in or you'd bring your friends or – I mean, uh, it was a very dynamic thing. And you know in the history of CCC, we have always wanted – at least for me, I've always wanted to partner with people uh, who are trying to reach their neighbors and their friends. And, and part of that partnering is making sure that when they do bring them to church, that their friend will – that they will not be embarrassed – you know to bring their friend who doesn't know Jesus that it won't be a an insider meeting where they don't understand what's going on but it'll be something that will help them understand who Jesus is and what he's done.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a I think Acts 2 is a great place and I would just form a connection between Acts 2 and Matthew 28 because yeah. I think that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Jesus says to them right before he ascends hey, I want you to go to all the nations. I want you to be my witnesses. That's evangelism, right? I want you to engage people who are not Christians. And then as you lead them to Christ, I'm adding that as you lead, he says, I want you to baptize them, and I want you to teach them everything I commanded you, which is discipleship. And with the idea being that they would then also pick up the mission to go, and the cycle would repeat itself. And the way the apostles understood that commission was Acts 2, where they started a church, uh, preached, led people to Christ, started a church began to grow people. It says they dedicated themselves or devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the Lord was adding. So you see that instantly, that evangelism, discipleship, evangelism, discipleship uh, thing. And and so that's what I'm saying. In some ways, a great question for us to be talking about. In some ways, it's a very simple answer, though, which is to say, well, Jesus said both. The early church understood it to be both. And so it is both. Um, I think where the question becomes more maybe nuanced is when people are saying not so much who's the church for, but like, who's this sermon for? Who's this service for? You know, should we like Joe, when you're preaching, should you be preaching to non-Christians and the rest of us should just be glad you're doing it and maybe bring somebody, you know, are you preaching for me so that I can grow and, you know, it doesn't matter if a non-Christian is left behind or, you know, so how do we think about that kind of question? Who, who do you preach for when you preach? Mm.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think uh, what I try to do, and I, Zach, you and I have talked about it, is uh, and it's the challenge is to preach in a way that it's understandable for everybody. There are certain sermons that are uh, designed probably more for uh, somebody who doesn't know yet know Jesus, uh, but uh, every I feel like every sermon that I give is useful for yeah. a Christian. Uh, and part of that is that, the, you know, we have talked about the gospel. I, you know, I've been influenced by Tim Keller, um, who says the gospel isn't the beginning, the, the, uh, the ABC. It's the A through Z, that the more we understand the gospel, and uh, the, the, the more we will actually change to be like Jesus. The gospel is the answer to all uh, my issues with becoming more like Jesus. Um, so for me, when I um, am writing a sermon— uh, and I'm thinking about the person that I'm writing to, the, it'll vacillate between somebody who is, uh, who is a Christian uh, and has been a Christian for a long time or somebody – but I'm always in, keeping in mind somebody who is, who is brand new, who doesn't know yet because when you know, – I've, I've had people come up to me before uh, a service and say, I finally got my neighbor to come. Make it great.
2: Right? <laughs> no pressure. And what they're what
3: they're saying is, you know, I've done, I've, I have been asking and asking and asking, and finally they they have come, and that's a time where that that is such a precious time and such an important time uh, that I want them to to even if I'm preaching something directly to Christians, that I'm preaching it in such a way that a non-Christian can go, oh yeah, I understand, I understand, I understand what was going on and what the purpose was. Then
1: who he's talking Uh, about. It's interesting with preaching because what I would say is we hope every sermon is there's there's something in there that's challenging and convicting and helpful for everyone. One of the ways we try to attack this at CCC is we have a kind of a strategic diet of preaching. So we try to make sure we don't focus on any one thing for too long. So, you know, we spent, this is, uh, we're recording this podcast in 2021. We spent the fall of 2020 in the book of Acts talking about what should a church be. And I imagine if you were a non-Christian who started coming during that time you might have felt like i'm not even sure i believe in jesus right. why are you telling me what the church should be that was a series that was more oriented towards christians now we're in a series going through the last 10 scenes of the gospel of luke those tend to be more evangelistic because that's what luke had in mind what why did jesus die and what did he accomplish when he died and you know it's but, interesting but
3: whenever we whenever you say that you know whenever we go over the gospel and i heard you say this to somebody one time where somebody said yeah well i've heard you know i've we, I've heard the gospel. You need to give me something else. And you said, uh, yeah, I've heard my wife tell me that she loved me, uh, that she loves yeah. me a bunch. It doesn't mean I don't need it anymore.
1: That's right. Because
3: exactly. every time that that I, that I we are go through a gospel series, I feel like I come out a more assured of Jesus' love for me and yeah, uh, with a right? deeper love for him. Absolutely. And if, if there was anything I could accomplish in a sermon or in a sermon series— where the people came out and said, "Oh, after that sermon series, I felt more of the love of Jesus, right. and I felt m- and I fell more in love with Him." I would say, "We You've ought to do that. One. that one, do that one again." Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know what's
1: interesting, though, is um, some people will say, "You know, I-, I want you to preach the Bible, preach the Bible, preach the Bible," and then you set out to preach a sermon series through a book of the Bible that just happens. You know, it's like if you only preach the Bible, and I come to John three. Uh, how do I not preach an evangelistic sermon? Right. To be faithful to John right. chapter three is to preach a sermon right. on how God loves you, and you know that because Jesus died for you, and if you trust in Him, and you could say, "Well, I already know all that." And I said, "Well, you wanted me to preach the B- <laughs> the Bible. That's what the Bible says." So, you know, I think some of it is we when we talk about who is the church for, I think sometimes what we mean is. The church isn't giving me what I want in this moment. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when people who are who say, "Yeah, I don't
3: want you to preach toward non-Christians. I want you to preach toward Christians." Nobody has ever come up to me and said, "You need to do a series on money because I really struggle with giving enough." Can you can you (laughs) preach a convicting? That's not what they want. They want something where they will where I will preach something that they will agree on. About someone else, mm-hmm. yeah. Because <laughs> I've had people come up to me and say, "You need to preach a series on the Ten Commandments because my husband really needs to hear that." You yeah. know, and I just think that's not—it's not, yeah. not going to work for one thing. Yeah, but... and we did
1: that two years ago. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think the what we're trying to do here at Christ Community Chapel is be a church for both um, Christians and non-Christians to be a church that engages in, in evangelism and in discipleship because that's what Jesus that's told what us Jesus to do. Did. Yeah but what we are also trying to do and i think this is where people get stuck so if you've been feeling uneasy really kind of listen in at this point where people are maybe getting stuck is event to event or program to program or ministry to ministry we are sometimes saying this event is only for non-christians this program is only for christians right we're we're saying to our staff or to our leaders Hey, it, it's, you know, I tell people all the time, it is really hard to speak to both groups effectively. That's why Joe, who's our best speaker, does the Sunday service. That's why about 20 staff spend all week getting ready for the weekend service because it, it's hard. It's not easy to do. It's hard to do. So, what a lot of times we're doing is saying to staff or ministry uh, volunteers, hey, you don't have to try to aim at everyone here. Yeah. Instead, aim at this. So, So, for instance, we might say this student ministry event is for non-Christians. Our Christian kids are going to come, but we're telling them, bring friends, bring friends. We're going to get to know them. We're going to, we're going to show them the love of Jesus. And then we're saying circles are for Christians. That's right. where Christians go to to, to grow. And, and so we're not going to worry about like simplifying things or we're going to... That kind of clarity is helpful to making sure we know what we're trying to do and what it would look like to succeed at what we're trying to do. But they all those things exist under the umbrella of a church that is about both, because Jesus told us to be about both. Yeah, one of the questions I want to ask was, you know, Zach,
0: you mentioned earlier the answer to the original question is somewhat simple, uh, you know, that uh, the church exists for both. But if that's the case, how does it happen that churches tend to drift into turning inward and the mindset begins to become different than that? You know, you might have people who are Christians who've been Christians for a long time, for example, who haven't shared their faith with a non-Christian in years, and yeah. that sort of thing. So how does that happen, if the answer seems so clear?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, recent studies say that as, as, as high as 93% of Christians will never share their faith, ever. Don't wow. They will never share their faith. So sometimes it's because we think we're more mature than we are. You know, I, there was an older couple who goes to CCC that was at the Reimagine class uh, uh, about a year ago. And yeah. I loved this moment because they were so, they loved Jesus and they were so honest. And we had just got done talking about the N3 and the need to be out in the community. And and they looked at me and said, uh, you know, we involve, we volunteer for six ministries here at the church. And they said, but we don't have a single non-Christian friend. And it had just never occurred to them to say, hey, growth. Right growth is always on mission. So are we growing? I mean, we're here all the time, but are we really growing if we're not? So sometimes it's just like we have this higher opinion of ourselves than we should, but, but I think that the nature of a sinful human heart is that there's a gravitational pull inward, mm-hmm. right? Just to think about myself. I, I'm speaking for me here, just to think about myself, to, to value what's good for me, to not value what's not good for me, that if I don't fight against that, right, in community with people who can say hard things to me, letting the scriptures challenge me. If I don't, then I become preoccupied with myself. That, this is why, by the way, I believe the book of Jonah is in the Bible, because this is what God was saying is, Israel, look what you've become. You know, God tells, not to nerd out on you, but God tells Abraham in Genesis 12, I'm going to make you a, into a great family, and through that family, I'm going to bless the nations, And the book of Jonah is about Israel enjoying being God's family, but forgetting why they're God's family. That's the whole point of the book. He doesn't want to be a light to the nations. He just wants to be God's family. And And, and God is saying, too bad. That's not enough. That's not not okay with me. That's right. That's not okay with me. And we have to recognize that the book of Jonah is a scathing rebuke of many of us because we want to be God's people, but we do not want to be on God's mission. And the book of Jonah is telling us, too bad. That is not okay with God.
2: Well, in the, personally, in the Christian life, I know the more that I am actively pursuing and sharing my faith with non believers is when I am growing the most. I'm praying for them. I'm finding myself like just urgently drawn towards wanting to have conversations for the sake of them experiencing the hope that I have. I'm seeing this even, you know, as our. In, in my own kids, like I have a daughter that shared her faith last week and started the conversation by saying, like, it's hard for me to en- – answer your question without talking about God, because that's what's so important in my life. And seeing, again, in the Christian life, you just grow and grow and grow through that. So again, they just can't be separated. Right. And the
3: more she's doing that, the more she will long to learn, right? That's what, uh, you know, the more that you share with people, the more it will drive you to the Bible, the more you're in the Bible, the more it should drive you to share with people. If it's not, then you're missing something. Right, right. The
1: metaphor here that makes sense to me, and you know, forgive me for sports metaphors, I, I'm a sports guy, but is, is you think about like a basketball team, and, and it's like asking a basketball team, w- which are you about, games or practice? Yeah. And the minute they answer that question by picking one, that's a bad basketball team. That is right? true. Right? true. Because <laughs> if you're a basketball team that is always practicing and never playing, what's the point? Why does it matter that you can dribble better or pass better or shoot better? or? But if you're a basketball team that's only playing games – how do you ever expect to actually accomplish anything right so the church must grow grow in its affection for jesus grow in its godliness grow in its obedience grow in its ability to articulate the gospel but we also shouldn't become so infatuated with growth we forget why we grow right we're growing for the same reason abraham needed to grow god wanted to be a light to the nations he wanted to gather the nations and so you know i think there are churches that are always practicing, never playing. And, and I think there's a safety in that. There's a comfort in that. There's a, but what we're trying to do is be a church that says, if, if we want to play the mission of God well, we have to grow. Right. In every way, we right. have to grow. Um, but we also need to forget growth is never an end unto itself. It's a means to an end. And that end is the glory of Jesus manifested in the witness of Jesus to the nations.
0: Yeah, I think you know part of the reason I think this is an intriguing question to me is because uh, we all know as a church we've laid down some pretty big goals for the next thirty years. One of which is that we want to see ten thousand people within ten miles of us uh, have re- start a relationship with Jesus and. Uh, with that goal in mind, you know, kind of what would we say to the, the person in our congregation who's maybe feeling a little bit unsure about reimagine and the shift to the new vision, or concerned that we're going to become uh, the kind of the false label of seeker sensitive? Like, how would we speak specifically to that dynamic?
1: Yeah, I think I would just say sometimes you you start to believe a narrative and you miss all the evidence to the contrary. Like, let me just offer some things. I teach sharing Jesus at the church, which is our primary evangelism class. And we just had session two Sunday. And in session two, we spend all 90 minutes walking through the story of the Bible. Because way, if you don't know this story and you don't love this story, you can't share it. Session three is coming up. Session three, we will spend all 90 minutes looking at how Jesus talked about himself and how Paul talked about him. Like, we are intensely biblical in order right. that I have just approved curriculum that Mike Huerta, who's a gift to our church has written a verse-by-verse verse through Philippians for circles. It's incredible, well, just incredible to, Just
3: go ahead and share what our uh, our sermon kind of rhythm is gonna be yeah. for, for the yeah, next, whole we, next
1: year. Yeah, we have an annual calendar that we follow, 10 weeks through a gospel series in the spring, then uh, 10 weeks through an Old Testament series in the summer, 10 weeks through a New Testament epistle in, in the fall. So we're coming up on how to read the Old Testament as though it's about Jesus, because it is, and then we're going into a 10-week series on the book of Romans. Like, I don't know how to get more biblical than that. And there are a lot of churches that won't touch Romans <laughs> because it's yeah. so deep and so yeah. complex. And we're not going to exhaust Romans, but we're going to move through it in, in 10 weeks. You know, I've preached sermons uh, just personally at CCC. I preached a sermon on why does God send people to hell, right? right? right. Like, that's it. That if, if, if you're seeker sensitive, you don't even use the word hell right you, you don't even but we're talking about these we did 10 weeks on the 10 commandments we yeah. did so sometimes i want to say to people where is the evidence of the right. fear that you have right there there isn't actually evidence of that You know, even I know some people say, well, what about these shapes? You know, I I emailed a guy today who had asked that question. I said, you know what square, triangle, triangle, square is? Really? It's just creation, fall, redemption, restoration. The four categories that theologians have used for 2,000 years to make sense of the Bible, right? So I would just challenge you is there actually evidence of what you fear? And then I would also say, can we all own a little bit that what's uncomfortable is that, A, the church is a little less about our preferences, and that's hard. That's hard yeah. for me, right? That's hard for me. But then also, can we own that a lot of us struggle with the call to be on mission? It's just hard for us. And, and it's a lot easier to say, I feel like the church is becoming about non-Christians and not Christians than it is to say, I'm being challenged to share my faith, and that's hard for me. But I want you to know that it's okay for you to say that. It's okay to say, I'm scared. I'm scared to share my faith. I'm scared to engage my neighbor. I'm scared that God might want me to go with a church plant. I'm scared that God might ask me to be radically generous towards missions. You know what? Sometimes I am too. It's okay to say that, but let's say that and then let's grow through it, right? let's, Let's be honest about what's going on in our hearts. And and avoid the temptation to build a straw man or a boogeyman of this church is not getting deep theologically because actually I would say we're getting deeper than we've ever been.
0: You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're gonna look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, You can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.